New Year, New Us. Ain't that right, Scott? I look the same. <laughs> Are you going to change up your exercising or, or, or anything? Maybe I'll go with a different haircut. Oh, <laughs> you're going to do completely bald. Maybe. No shade. What do you think? I think it will look. I think it will look good. You, you, you yeah. You, that's you one look, of those responses. No, you, you look good. <laughs> you, no, it's, you, no, it's you, good. You, you look good anyway. The, the. <laughs> I think your highlight is your beard, and mm. that's not going anywhere, right? Mm-mm. No, I'm going to start working that. I'm, I'm going to have it grow out. Oh, even more. Yep. Maybe I'll braid it. Oh, yeah? Okay, well, do what you got to do as long as you're not appropriating. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm getting into much of a... I don't know. I, I actually have been back in the cardio and stuff, so that's not new, but maybe I'll um, maybe push it up a notch or something. That's off to you because I hate cardio. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. Cardio you can't, sucks. You can't bribe me into cardio. Well, with a, uh, with a new year, it is... So a uh, slightly new uh, aspect of Triloquy, uh, a, a new theme that we worked out. So uh, how about we drop it? I'm Garrett McQueen. I'm Scott Blankenship. And this is Triloquy, true and real stories from the fringes of classical music. Welcome to 2020. Happy New Year, Scott. Happy New Year, Garrett. Actually, we're taping this in 2019, so we're kind of living in the future. Oh, man. Right now we are. Well, I wonder what my future self will think of this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, here here live in Studio B. Thank you, uh, Scott, for having us in Studio B. Yeah, you're welcome. Um. You know, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the 29, what 2019 brought for us and what we're looking forward to um, in uh, 2020. Um, but first, I just wanted to talk just a little bit about Studio B down here. So you got your brew equipment, you got your uh, guitars, I'm looking at a keyboard, you got your trap set. This is a, you know, this is where a it's lot a, of magic could happen. It's a man cave. Yeah, definitely a man cave. How long did it take you to get, get this space uh, looking looking all good? I have been here since 2008. And I would say that it took on this guy's about this look about four years ago. Oh, wow. So, yeah, but there's still some sound things that, you know, I would like to put the panels up and, you know, to be able to record against one of the walls here with green screen and stuff. We'll see. Yeah. And of course, the uh, the the new theme that we're using now was built down mm. here in Studio B. It, it seems like you got more into your uh, production bag in 2019. That's something that that year brought uh for you. I did. And I want to start doing sampling and to have buttons that we can use, you know, the problematic button. We need a, we, <laughs> we need definitely a, need a, pro- <laughs> a problematic alarm. Um, we need, we a, don't get that all that problematic. Um, realization station. Okay. We need a, a sound for realization station. Um, you use my bassoon playing as the beep, as the bleep still. <laughs> yep. Um, Let's take a poll. Let's have people DM us on Twitter on what should be the the next uh, curse word sensor sound. Oh, like a uh, different 
uh, oh, a, a different uh, sound effect to, right. to bleep the thing. Okay, right, well, sure. sure. At Garrett McQueen, follow me. My handle is McQueen of the night. Um, yeah. And I'm S underscore B underscore Triloquy. Is that? Oh, yeah, that is your Twitter. SB Triloquy. Um, my Twitter has been getting me in trouble, though. Like, it seems like every time I tweet something that's a little spicy, I'm, I'm in someone's office Then you're in the work. principal's office. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, but, you know, we all have a job to do, you know. And, Give and, me one. Give me one. Okay, well, so, okay, so this is what we're doing today. We, <laughs> we're going to keep it real trill today. I'll, I'll trade. All right. Well, I tweeted one time. Um, I had some Vivaldi and some Bach on my playlist, and I tweeted, uh, "Sorry about the Bach and Vivaldi. I didn't program this, and I got, <laughs> I got called into the principal's office. <laughs> one, one of the many times I was called in the principal's office in 2019 <laughs> for the uh, for the Black History. Uh, spe- oh, now uh, you get to use that bleep button, I guess. For the Black History special, I included a performance of." of uh, Julius Eastman's evil nigger. And I was in like a, a high up, uh, like I wasn't just in Julie's office Not on that floor, <laughs> a whole different floor. Yeah. I had to go all the way down to the first floor. Mm. Um, but we'll, I'll talk a little more about that day later because, um, but, but mm. you, you said that you had mentioned one of your problematic somethings from a Twitter or otherwise. I don't have anything from online. I'm the, I, I have 27 followers on Twitter. Well, we got to everybody go follow Scott, damn it. Um, anyway, so. So I, I feel like anything that, you know, nothing would be controversial on there because everybody who's following me knows me. But, so. did, but did you get called into the principal's office, so to speak, in 2019? Um, I called someone into the principal's office. Oh, uh, it wasn't a come to Jesus. It was come to Scott. It was, uh, <laughs> I have, I, so you know that I have a really long fuse. Sure. Right, that I don't get too riled too quickly. Mm-hmm. But once you get there, then it's happening. So and tell me more. There was a, there was an instance where I was doing um, the play by play for a live broadcast, and I I am not going to mention any names, but I will say that the whole trying to get an interview set up beforehand was bungled. And I ended up writing, uh, by the end, three different scripts. And then at the broadcast, the media wasn't there on time. We had everything come together with three minutes before the downbeat. And I'm supposed to be going on live. So, yeah, I I did some dragging for about five minutes. I want to say names so bad, but... no. New no. New Year, new me. As okay. I said, I'll be a little less petty in 2020. Or not. We'll see. Whatever. But I guess that just uh, goes to show you um, how what what a good little employee I am. <laughs> how, how good. I'm, I'm ever so good. So, okay. But what are some of the more positive things that... Uh, that uh, 2019 brought for you? You know, you're getting more into your production bag, doing mm-hmm. more of that work. What else? Uh, hop notes has had a, has started to get some traction, which nice. is really cool. Nice. Uh, somebody up at the Duluth Superior Symphony Orchestra in Duluth uh, reached out and they said, you know, we'd 
love the videos and we want to know if you want to come up and, and host some events, you know, is where we play in tap rooms. I'm going to be real tight. I'm going to be real upset if I don't get to go. I'm just going to let you know. And I know I don't there have anything be, to do with hop notes, but I just want to come. There can be a Triloquy episode out of that. Why not? Let's get some mileage Or I can just come and drink beer and watch you work. So, right. <laughs> so let's do that. So that's very cool. Um, and that's also going to give me the opportunity to actually shoot an episode of Hop Notes up there in Duluth. Yeah. And as you, they, I mean, there's just, there. you don't get any other beer like that in the world because they have that wonderful Lake Superior water. Yeah. And of course, you uh, brought me uh, and Dell to the North Shore for the first time in 2019. That was very special. I was was opening that door to hope, hopefully that you would talk a little bit about our trip. I mean, uh, uh, you know, you talk about uh, traveling north and up on getting on the highway, and then you get over that crest, and then you just see Lake Superior, this water that is big, looks as broad as the ocean. And, you know, for me, what I really appreciated most out of that trip was just to get a weekend to kind of just, as you say, lower your shoulders a little bit, you know, just to breathe. And then um, all the wonderful beer up there, just the carefree nature, the kind of the slowness of of small town Minnesota. It was uh, phenomenal. But, you know, I'll never forget stopping at Fitker's in Duluth on the way. And we saw the, uh, I guess, the Duluth ukulele band. Ukulele chorus. And, and what were they, they were playing? Was it a Joaquin Rodrigo? They they went from Concierto de Aranjuez, the, um, the slow movement, into save the last dance for me okay yeah they they, they blended that pretty well but that rodrigo aranjuez is very beautiful in its original form too Yeah, great trip. One of the many uh, big things in uh, 2019. You know, I, I made a, an interesting trip in 2019 to New York uh, where I got to be on the Need to Know podcast. I thought that was a really fun. What an honor. You know, definitely go back if you're interested in more of a, uh, you know, a podcast that's a little younger, a little looser, a little. Uh, yeah. And I got to talk about classical music in my job and sort yeah. of set the stage a little bit, though. What was what what was it like to record? Uh, shout out all the all the members. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Savon, uh, and Alex Steph. and Steph. Yeah. Stephanie, my new woman crush, I say on Twitter, um, <laughs> you know, so I, they told me 10 o'clock. And so, you know, on the day I showed up at 10 a.m., and they were like, oh, I emailed. And I was like, oh, no, it's PM. <laughs> and, you know, we were in there for a while. There was a lot on their docket, you know, because, um, you know, unfortunately, that was the first time they were um, recording since the passing of Nipsey Hussle. Mm. Um, so a lot of the uh, episode was uh, written in, uh, or put together in honor of him. But, right. you know, I got plenty of space to uh, talk about, um, you know, again, classical music. I picked out a, a piece of music for each of them uh, to listen to based on their experiences. Uh, and yeah, they're they're only growing. The um, You know, uh, Savon and Alex, another podcast 
podcast they're involved with, one I listen to every week, the Joe Button podcast, uh, they were named top podcast of 2019, you know, as far as listenership and stuff. So um, an honor on, on many different scales for me to, you know, connect with them, to be on their show, to, you know, have the uh, uh, the professional and creative connections with, you know, some of the media that I consume and, and love to listen to. Uh, yeah, what a, what a what a what a great time. What was the studio like, though? I mean, to was it was it it wasn't a broadcast studio. It was a so in, like in, a, a in, pod, right? Well, yeah, like uh, in New York, and also when I talked to uh, Jonathan Gibbs, you know, on that same trip, shout out to him. Um, it, it's like public spaces where you uh, rent not only um, like little pods uh, where you uh, record, but also an engineer. So you're going okay. basically into a Cool. into a control room, you know, and whatever the cost for cool. per, per hour is or whatever. So, um, yes, yeah, sh- shout out to, um, again, need to know podcast, New York city. One of, um, yeah, one, one of my, one of my favorite moments of 2019. But when you think of classical music that has a tie to uh, New York city, does anything come to mind for you? Well, typically the Bernstein. Sure. Um, uh, West side story kind of feel, um, but, you know, Dvorak was there when he first came over in 1893. You got Victor okay, Herbert. Okay, come on, you, facts. You got the whole <laughs> East Coast school. Yeah, and then, of course, you have, like, Duke Ellington, who was up in New York and Harlem, uh, right, and all that music. William Grant still worked in New York. Big, uh, big, big music city in, in, uh, in many different ways. I think, uh, but, yeah, well, you mentioned... Uh, Bernstein first, and I think he's the first name that I think of when I think of New York and classical music. You know, the overture to Candide um, is one that is that I hold dear. It was the first piece of music I ever broadcast. You know, my first show. That was the first one. Um, it was on my first and last concerts uh, with the Knoxville Symphony. You oh, know, nice. so kind of book ending my time there. Um, yeah, really fun, whimsical piece that'll always play an important role in my life. You know, and then uh, as far as uh, work-related, APM, NPR-related, you know, 2019, I got to go to Capitol Hill. I was telling you earlier about the Julius Eastman and how I had to go into the principal's office. <laughs> well, some of my some of the, my big uh, yelling, not yelling, but just some of my big frustration was you're trying to um, mute the title of this piece of music that I chose for our Black History special. But later on this afternoon, I'm supposed to be going down to Capitol Hill to um, speak on behalf of the organization for uh, some state funding. Anyway, we worked it all out. It was an honor to go into Capitol Hill and and be a part of that. You know, other things I did for um, NPR in 2019, you know, spearheading uh, the first uh, triloquy feature, you know, a 24-hour celebration of uh, black composers and um, how that ties in with the holiday of Juneteenth. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of big moves in 2019 that I'm proud of. Um, yeah, for sure. Can we talk about where we're at with the N word as it appears in print, associated with the title of a piece of art? 
versus outside that. Well, so what helped me to understand why that being censored was a problem for me. I just thought about and and um and I'll in the description we'll link uh you know some information about Julius Eastman but just in a nutshell a New York area composer black compo- black gay composer um who you know got caught up into drugs and died homeless on the streets and you know um he has a series of pieces for multiple pianos really long pieces of music um and uh one he named uh, crazy nigger one named evil nigger just uh musical uh perspectives on how um he you know knows that people see him in his comings and goings and you know how how black folks can't be too polite or can't be a uh, too outspoken and um and too offensive you know going on going along with the role of you know the respectability politics built by non-black people anyway so <laughs> him him titling um the piece of music that way to me is just a move in the direction of of throwing away that respectability and for me Maintaining the title of that um, is, you know, speaks to uh, the purpose of him using that word in the title. And for me having to fight the battle of not censoring his music in that way, I felt like was a manifestation of the point he was making in the first place. And how did that go over? Um, we came to a compromise to where it would be obvious what that word was, but, you know, the company has um, uh, a policy to not put it in print. You know, NPR, APM is not run by black folks, so I can understand how it will be very problematic for that to be included. Um, but, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm glad to have had the conversation for, uh, you know, so I, I appreciate that that much equity. Do you think it'll ever get to a point where this isn't an issue the the n-word yeah Uh, i think it always will be because the history of it will always be an issue um you know uh meaning when when it's associated with a a piece of work like this though but then you know should it be used then that's all i'm getting at well you know it's very it's a very complicated and nuanced conversation because black folks don't really run you know, the big classical music institutions, a lot of the institutions that will be playing this music. So, you know, when we have black leaders at uh, public media and classical media organizations, I think we can dive into that. But, you know, regardless, the music is so important um, to black history and American history and American classical music. You know, I just wanted to make sure it was never forgotten. Um, It was even... uh, uh, and maybe in the last opus, you brought up uh, uh, Killer Mike's Trigger Warning. Yeah. Uh, a bit of that music is, is even used in, in in the credits for that. You know, it's just this really angry sounding music that just, um, you know, re- really uh, portrays, I think, what he was feeling and why he would have used that very angry language to title this piece of music.
before we jump, Scott, too much into um, looking at, you know, Triloquy so far at the beginning of this new year, you know, in 2019, there were um, a lot of important people um, that we lost, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the first person I kind of want to uh, shout out is uh, Bob Christensen, because that, I, I, I know that was a, a pretty trying time for you, considering y'all's relationship and you know how long he had been in radio the millions of lives um that he touched mine included so yeah and everything in that episode helped me to sort of deal with it and cope so it was great that was a a great installment and shout out to bob christensen i was telling bill morlock the other night that it felt like a couple times like i caught him out of the corner of my eye really yeah it was it was really cool though you know it was a pleasant uh presence you know so it just it just kind of reminds me that you know he's around and then you know with his you know unfortunately the unfortunate truth is that when someone passes more people kind of wake up to who this person was you know and Mm -hmm. you know and and myself included i knew his voice but um i never knew him personally or anything met him once so yeah rest in power to bob christensen uh you know along kind of along those same lines really becoming more aware of someone after they die. Uh, I already mentioned, you know, Nipsey Hussle passed Same. in 2019. And I wasn't really all that familiar with him or his music, but boy, did he become an icon overnight, you know, not just for what he was doing musically, but the way he was uh, building community. You know, the in, business, the, yeah. in the last opus, you know, uh, we're, we're talking about uh, Kwanzaa, you know, um, uh, Ujama, uh, uh, community um, finances and and black business and all that. You know, he really embodied that in in an incredible way. So um, I, I think he's already uh, achieved uh, legendary status. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other legends we lost in 2019. Um, Aretha Franklin, may she rest in peace. I mean, is there anyone? who doesn't know something by Aretha Franklin, doesn't know her voice, you know? Uh, I think maybe her most wide-reaching song is Respect. Mm. Um, but, natural woman but nat- for Right, me. for me, natural woman is is what I think of, and, and there's all kind of just beautiful uh, arrangements of that tune out there that folks have created. Other folks include um, John Witherspoon, may he rest in peace. Uh, the rapper, by the way, he was in "I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker." Okay, you remember when? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, was, yeah. he was the the uh, minister, right, right, with the white wife. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, the rapper uh, Juice World passed. You know, and one of his songs um, actually inspired the marimbas you heard in our uh, in our new theme there. Uh, someone who's had a a uh, an impact on me my life uh tony morrison mm-hmm. uh, we lost her in 2019 are, are, are there folks on your list that uh from my childhood carol spinney do you know the name carol spinney i don't know you know the name big bird mm-hmm. okay so he was the guy inside of big bird oh my goodness 50 some odd years yikes and what an iconic character big bird is right so um and musically rick okasic Okay. Huge. I mean, um, everybody knows moving in stereo because it's been used in so many films, in particular 
Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I mean, that's probably the number one hit when you call up that song. But they were really, uh, I would I would put them in the along with the progressive rockers at the time. They were building songs in such unusual ways. Moving in stereo is the number one example of sort of the way that they were moving sound. Okay, I'll have to take a closer uh, listen to that. Um, but <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? No, I just say, um, you know, because I will take a closer listen. I know, but it, the thing is, is when you say it like that, though, I think about the episode when we were talking about LP. Okay. And and it's just you know you you get these sort of hmm yeah well here's some hipster shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I I will listen and I will I will appreciate it. Um, before we bef- in closing this little in memoriam shout out section, you know, uh, the world lost Jesse Norman in 2019, and mm-hmm. you know what a loss that was. You you talked about uh, when we were honoring her and whatever opus that was. You were talking about how at your previous radio station, how you know she would come through. Uh, her her recordings would would come through one of those preeminent uh, sopranos more than anyone else. And, you know, for her to be a black, uh, you know, musician, a, a black singer, mm-hmm. you know, validating so many people along the way and um, a voice like none other, you know, we called her a soprano, but um, a lot of the music people actually gave her the voice type of Falcon. Did you know that? No, what's You know, that? because because her um, her range is so wide. And the coloratura aspects of her voice are are so unique that she sings soprano, but the the way her voice actually um, you know is categorized as falcon, you know, uh, and 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 you can look that up, and you know all you have to do is listen to her sing to know how unique she was. You can tell the nation about that. Tell them that Jesus has done. Then what the comforter has done. And he brought joy, great joy to my soul. And he brought joy, great joy to So yeah, um, but and, and and as we mentioned before, with all of the people uh, that were lost in 2019, um, something very important was born: a podcast called Triloquy. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, so what we decided to do today, um, instead of having a guest or anything, uh, was to just to go back and talk about some of the previous opuses that yeah. you know kind of stuck out, and some of the previous guests that um, stuck out. I want to start, you know, shout out to Marion, and, and we'll involve Marion a little bit in uh, when we get to the one-year anniversary for him being the cool. the very first guest, you know, of Opus 1. But I want to go back to Opus 2 for a second mm. that featured Katie and Delaney from uh, Classically Black. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were, um, 
you know, forming what Triloquy was, we were both listening uh, to their podcast a lot, just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, seeing how they were doing it. And, you know, I, I think there's still one of the most unique podcasts out there, you know, classical music as we talk about, but, you know, in a way and from a perspective that we don't share, that I certainly don't even share. You know, they're younger, they're, I don't know, sometimes I feel like they're hipper. and <laughs> Without question, but yeah. you want to add some real fun to it, listen to the podcast and subscribe to their Twitter feeds. Yeah, okay, yeah. That, that's the little sauce on the side. Yeah, definitely. And I like to involve myself with their Twitter oftentimes, and, and I give I them just, plenty of shout-outs. I'm staying on the porch on that one. <laughs> one of the things we talked about, uh, one, well, one of the things I talked about with Katie and Delaney um, was code switching. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that idea or that concept sort of evolved uh, for you uh, over the, over the course of Triloquy? Is it, is code switching something that you had thought about before much? No, but all the time now, and it's something in my thrive. <laughs> in your yearly review yeah. for work, yeah. Right. Okay. So you know the whole quarterly review thing. You write the goals down that you want to achieve and what you did to reach them and whether or not you did. And but. I wrote in there why am if our audiences as as listeners are starting to skew younger, like in particular in the evening, it's down to like thirty five year olds now, or you know, based the, on whatever we, Nielsen data or whatever, whatever they data have, we yeah. have. So the numbers are skewing younger, and they're listening longer. So with that in mind, uh, a lot of these people listening now, a lot of the listeners now are my age, mm-hmm. you know, around my age. Why am I not talking to them like I talk to? the other people around me my age. Well, why aren't you? Because I was raised up in a radio environment where this is the way you did it. Where classical radio, you have to sound, right. you know. Right, so there's that. And then Triloquy comes along, and it's this nice, in a way, relief valve. It's a, it's a way to come in and say some of the things that are really on your mind because you can't, over the air, either because of subject matter or language, or heaven forbid, you should talk past fifty nine. Okay, you know, yeah, um, uh, you're talking about the clock, like one fifty nine, two right. fifty nine. Yeah, I'm talking about the ability to lose a thought and sit and catch it without worrying about whether or not you're going to hit some timestamp. Sure. What what's helped me um, on that conversation of code switching, especially on the radio air is well well two things one thinking about my air shifts the way i think about triloquy just kind of talking the way i talk mm-hmm. but but also um just really um getting into the comfort of just you know relaxing and and talking uh, lately i've been sitting down in the um for my shifts uh, more mm-hmm. I, I used to mm-hmm. be a 100 percent standard stander upper mm-hmm. um but i feel like just kind of leaning back in the chair and just talking to the folks the way i want to talk to them has really helped me uh, be myself more over the air and you know that there's no denying and Katie and Delaney talk about this in Opus 2 there's no denying that there's just something built into our experience as black folk especially coming up in classical music to really put ourselves together and to clean up our affects or whatever mm. when we're in those spaces but you know as as we're seeing it, that is changing and and I'm, I'm I'm so proud of them I'm so honored to have uh to have them on the Triloquy roster yeah. um and, and, and glad that they've helped me think about how to be 
more of myself within uh, this genre and this work we do. There have been talks of a of a podcast trade. We need to make that actually yeah, we need happen. To get, I, I'm going to see him uh, next month uh, at Sphinx, at the cool. Sphinx conference that cool. you need to be going to. If they'll let both of us off the air, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I guess more on that... Uh, Later, I have a few more here, but what are what, what's one of your uh, standout triloquy moment, moments of 2019? One that I still think back on was David Norville. I don't know what opus it is. He it was, was like he was this, something else, wasn't he? Yeah, um, uh, I forget. He was 20. Was some, it? Some, yeah, a, a ri- when I interviewed him, a rising senior at NEC at and, the New England Conservatory. You know, um, playing with you have a mutual instructor. Isn't uh, that right? Yeah, so my teacher, my my first bassoon teacher, Lacoli in Washington, shout out to him. He'll be on Triloquy this year. Um, he met David Norville at Sphinx, actually, and uh, became his mentor, and, and that's how we got connected. Uh, Lacoli and thought um, that it would be good for us to kind of talk and converse, and yeah. And he's also, uh, is he either playing or leading an ensemble, inner city... Uh, yeah, one but, of the, and I forget the community in Boston, but uh, but but you know, an orchestra, you know, that that he's trying to um, help, uh, you know, create in in one of the uh, you know black neighborhoods, mm-hmm. one of the black areas of Boston. But you know, Scott, when you when you bring him up, um, I think one of his standout moments and a standout moment for the podcast was when he acknowledged uh, classical music as an unchallenged foothold of. That was white the, supremacy. That was the hook for me. Yeah. And when he said that that was the last point where it's been challenged, that's where I went, oh, shots fired. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wrote, I wrote a paper about, you know, classical music being one, being one of the last vertices of white power that has been unchallenged. Ooh, you know, wow, it's yes. A, it's a foothold of white power that has been unchallenged. And I think because of that, because this Euro-American, you know, space that has been created it's always going to boil back to back to race you know and i immediately went okay so uh he is at the top of his class he's playing at a at a pro level he's leading these uh ensembles in inner cities first generation american if you remember and i do i do and uh, like and then on top of that you know there's the the equity conscious mm-hmm. uh, nature that he has he's going places i mean just remember the name yeah and and uh you know it, it's something how you know playing an instrument can lead you to a place um where sometimes you have to leave it behind you know i, mm-hmm. I, I still play the bassoon plenty but it's just not the principal thing i do and i think of that for him and and you know we get all sorts of feedback and letters from folks for what we do on the air and for triloquy um you know, in, in, my, in his response to me after I thanked him for being on, um, he said uh, that he definitely considers me um, one of the young OGs. And that, <laughs> and that really touched my heart a lot, yeah. you know, for, yeah. for someone who's, you know, because it's easy for me to, and you can speak to this surely, you know, I'm 32. It's easy for me to think of myself as in his age category. But, you know, he sees me as one of the older guys. But, you know, it, it, it felt really great. So shout out to David Norville for for being one of the real standouts of uh, of Triloquy in 2019. Who's you know, your number two? Uh, you know, I, m- I mentioned uh, David Norville as, you know, a first-generation uh, American. Um, so was uh, my friend um, Alex, who plays bassoon with the yeah. um, Las Vegas Philharmonic. I think, he, I want to say he was Opus 10. And um, 
you know, something uh, he talked about that I thought a lot of people needed to hear was when he goes into the uh, the fact that if you are in, um, you know, the United States, especially the states that board, uh, that are along the southern border mm-hmm. and you have orchestras, you need to program in ways that um, reflect that. You know, he, he said it a little, you know, better than I can. Here's my answer to that. If If you are in an orchestra that is a border state to Mexico or maybe was prior to, you know, our current situation, a part of Mexico, then yeah, yeah, you, you definitely owe it to your audiences and to yourself to program more Mexican music and make the political aspect be seen. Um, especially if you're in, you know, California, Arizona, Nuevo Mexico, Texas, Nevada, Colorado, like all these Spanish states. But you know what? Um, and this is kind of an update on um, Alex. Uh, maybe in maybe four or five weeks after his opus aired, he called me to tell me that ICE was starting to um, uh, investigate him. That's you know, because crazy. he tells the story about how he came to the United States. You know, it's 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 T that he would talk about as well. You know, he's legal now, but he crossed the border as a child um, with like false papers and stuff. And his parents had paid X, Y, and Z to get him anyway. So Mm. apparently someone heard that opus of Triloquy and called ice and they investigated him, his family. And, and that left me feeling a way because of course, if something happened, I would feel responsible. Right. For broadcasting it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you are that listener, I, 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 well, let me calm down because I'm getting a little... But at the same time, though, I think that the the anybody that did that is the person that needs to hear these stories. And so I think it's a that's a positive thing. I mean, thing. because it's so easy to paint the... And not to get too political here, but it's easy to paint the picture of folks coming from the southern border being, you know, whatever, have however they've been described by mm-hmm. certain members of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alex came up and occupies one of the most coveted, um, you know, spaces in the world, you know, a tenured spot in a symphony orchestra. So mm-hmm. come on, get out of here with all that hate. That's ridiculous. So um, shout out to Alex. I'm glad he's okay. Um, and and I hope to um, see him sooner than later. The Las Vegas Philharmonic keeps trying to get me out to sub with them, but mm-hmm. my schedule is just so big. I, I'm going to get out there eventually. You know? You're right, though. That was Opus 10, if you want to go back and listen yeah. to that one. And uh, along the the lines of just spiritual elevation, Opus 25 with Nirmala and, yeah. and Bupati. Oh yeah. my gosh. Every single sense was elevated that day. The um, sound and the way that they presented so uh, colorfully. And she brought chocolate. I'm going to keep it true and real for a second, Scott. So, so you know, that day was particularly moving for me because you know being on the overnight schedule sometimes my emotions get the best of me yeah um i was going with it uh through it with you a little bit maybe you just didn't send me a text i forget what the the issue was but um for me to like go into work that day with all of that emotional stress on me Mm. um to hear normala talk about you know the space between you know and that connection that music has to purpose and spirit and ancestry. I mean, what, and then, you know, and then for her to come in and, and, uh, and have her music 
to be a part of uh, the Triloquy catalog. You know, mm. uh, earlier uh, today, Scott, before we turned on the microphones, we were talking about the different sounds of Triloquy so far. You know, we've mm -hmm. had uh, the Ill Harmonic on with some rap, you know. Uh, Singer-songwriter with... Kashimana. Uh, Kashimana, yeah, shout out to her. And then, you know, but to have this uh, Indian classical music, this South Indian classical music included as well, you know, what, what a gift uh, Nirmala uh, gave to us. For me, there was a, a real big eye-opener for me when she was talking about how uh, all these different moods that are in this music to create uh, whatever train ride, whatever path you're yeah, on with yeah. this, that sometimes you hit a note that in our environments would be considered undesirable, you know, that sure. it's, it's not... Uh, Again, uh, the space between, you know, right. it's kind of between the Western and it notes, was al it was almost notes. like yeah, it was almost like her interview made me feel better about some of the music that I was making, and that maybe oh. maybe <laughs> so you said oh, it's okay to play out of tune, but but <laughs> but maybe if you don't, maybe if you don't hit a note right on, maybe that's just the note that you needed right there, right, and that it's not don't think of it as undesirable. Instead, it's a part of it. Yeah, you know, and and it's a part of the experience, but you eventually get to point Z, like she talked about. Yeah, so yeah, shout out, big shout out to Nirmala Bodhpati for coming in. And yeah. that was the debut of uh, Triloquy TV too. That's when we started doing video. Yeah, well, what what uh what what inspired for you the idea of Triloquy TV? I think you came up with that. Mm -hmm. Um, in my neighborhood, whenever I take radar for a walk in the spring and summer, and the windows are open. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Hmong families in the neighborhood that mm -hmm. are playing their traditional music on their instruments. And I thought, what better way to let these people know that public radio is here and it's a spot for you uh, than to incorporate their music? Yeah, and hopefully we get to so, do a lot more of that this year, specifically yeah. with the Hmong communities right. here in the Twin Cities. But uh, there's also a, a, a large Somali population. The, Brazi well, yeah. the Brazilian population is growing. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't know that yeah. at all. Right across the street is a Russian family. Oh, uh, wow. You know, yeah, so the, I mean, the, it's all there. And the idea was to go to them and record their music and then put it online without any language barrier or anything. I think the music is the best introduction to yeah. a, a, a different culture. And for me, I think the broader conversation there is um, not that it needs validation, but validating that that music as classical music. You know, that's a big thing that Nirmala was talking about, Indian classical music, that's right. what it is. And that how that phrase classical music has been such a challenge, you know, and in, in the opus of Triloquy following uh, Nirmala, of the space between, uh, you and I interviewed uh, Nibal Mesud, and Nibal wrote, uh, you know, one of the hottest articles of 2019 called It's Time to Let Classical Music Die. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just from that headline alone, people were uh, feeling away. But, you know, <laughs> in, in our conversation, you know, I think what we 
what we broke down and got to was that uh, the, again that phrase classical music and the and the art music that we associate with that phrase is much broader than um than traditions say so you know yeah. more about killing that sort of idea of what classical music is what it has to be it was really interesting to hear him say if you uh, put something on a program by a gay or a lesbian person and call that inclusivity, there is still just this huge amount of people who identify a part, uh, differently than that that still aren't being served. Right. But, and, and you know, it's, you know, equity, inclusion, all of that diversity, it, it's... It's not a destination. It's a, you know how they mm. say it's a, and maybe this is appropriate for the New Year's episode, you know, you sh it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. You mm. know, you're just changing the way you eat. And I think what they were thinking about was changing the way you think about um, programming, you know, um, not having the, you know, the Black History feature or the Women's Month or whatever, but just incorporating it all. But, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know... The most important thing in in uh, in in that uh, in initiatives and things like that, in his opinion, was this. I would say, just have people of color there in the leadership. Uh, in the leadership, okay. Yeah, have people of color running the show. Uh, it's not enough to have you know people of color, like say in your ensemble. Um, or have a few that are the lowest level employees. Um, there really needs to be people of color and people of color who are aware and willing to work for other people of color. So yeah, what do you think about that point that Nibao was making? You know, it, it's all about having people of color in leadership uh, positions, people with different perspectives calling the shots because let's just keep it trill. We don't have much of that at in our organization at your classical, you know, classical NPR. That's one of the reasons why um, when the recording project came up, when the idea for the Triloquy series with Hook and Ladder and mm -hmm. all that sort of thing, um, I I really just sort of stood, stood aside and, and said, what do you see my role? in this act. Right, right. But then of course, you know, with my plate being so full, it's it, but we'll we'll talk about more about that uh that, that series a little later. But but yeah, again, shout out to Nibal Mesud, Opus twenty six of Triloquy, and definitely read their article uh called It's Time to Let Classical Music Die. Really all you have to do is uh Google that phrase and um mm -hmm. and you'll find it. So yeah, a, a, a standout moment for me for sure and an honor to to have them on. I have to go back to the spooktacular for my third. Sure, yeah, because we were talking about how you got more into your production bag in 2019, and you really pulled out the big, uh, the the big buttons for that one. <laughs> it was it was just really great to write again. Yeah, and um, and to, to work with Megan. Shout out to her. She's great. She that was one take. Yeah, yeah. She read that in one take. I mm -hmm. told her what I was after, and she just did it. Yeah, but um, there were. 
a few times where I thought, am I over, am I overdoing this? <laughs> but then I... Gilding the, the lilies, yeah, so to speak. What was it uh, that, was it your mom that said, uh, before you leave, take one accessory off? Well, Coco Chanel, but yes, many other women. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I just thought that as, as I was listening to it, I go, okay, so this, we don't need this. Yeah. You know, but you, and, but you, and that's nice, but it doesn't have to be there. But you, you definitely uh, gave us some nice uh, touches, especially our little laughing contest. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's all right. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my stretching here. All right. <laughs> oh, that's pretty spooky. I would hate to hear that in the middle of the night. It's good. But I remember you had reservations about writing the story about the clan. <laughs> do do you? Wonder why? <laughs> well, what what is what is your uh, thinking back on that now? Do you do you feel justified? What well, what would be your reaction to someone saying that it was inappropriate for you to put that together? I I know. Really, you you that I would just, be I your just, reaction? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've, I've wondered about it myself. I also worried about George's George Mauer's episode. You know, when we had him in to talking talk about, about yeah indigenous communities and stuff. Yeah, and, I, you know I. I copied that over to the drive going, okay, here we go. Yeah. And it's, well, that's me. It's what it is. That's me every time, you know, I, I push the envelope until they push it back. So mm-hmm. anyway, but the reason being is that I, I think that there are people out there who uh, are much closer to that than I am. Yeah. And all of that was just my imagination. Yeah. You know, with a couple prompts that you gave and, um, just like I don't think that uh, my my being on the Kwanzaa special was a good idea, <laughs> I don't think that that was at all appropriate. So, and you weren't so right. great. <laughs> yeah. So that that goes back to you know uh, that was the Kwanzaa radio special, by the way, not not the right. previous opus. No, that, but going back to like Kathleen Bradbury, you know, yeah, yeah. talking about. Um, not seeing the flaws in the system because you're part of the system. And so I've been doing a lot of stepping back and going, okay. Um, yeah, what, she, what, was, she was Opus 4, four right? Yeah. yeah. Has some great things to say. Some of these issues, especially with like getting people to feel like they belong in classical music, are so systemic. And they start way back beyond like, you know, beyond how your conservatory experience felt. Yeah. Um, and, and like... You know, if we ch- try to trace lines of power, it's like I, I feel like I'm hearing all of these really great ideas for people of how to um, be more inclusive and promote diversity. And they're very small targeted efforts, which are great for affecting change on a small level. Mm-hmm. But like if we pay like if we trace this through line, we're still having problems at the level above. So, yeah, I've learned a lot on each episode and I'm, and I'm but I'm also hopeful that my presence here on the podcast is having a positive effect uh, uh, in other non-white hetero communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I hope that I can be a representative of the possible ally. Sure. That's, that's the hope. Sure. Um, and, you know, before I, I give my final shout out, you know, every, every single opus of Triloquy is enormously special in its own way you know um just quickly you know shout out to uh Kwanis Floyd I think we had a really excellent conversation 
about um, cultural and also physical gentrification. You know, that's Opus 14, Go Go No No. You know, shout out to Vanessa Rose, you know, who's been a great resource for us and right. and, and someone uh, who has continued to do this work in a different way. You know, Opus 23, Take Me to Church. I really enjoyed going to Pilgrim Baptist, meeting Jacob Dodd through uh, the Harmonic Orchestra and, you know, uh, retouching on that sort of Black culture. But um, the final one I wanted to bring up was Opus 15, uh, Moving Through Gateways Part 2, featuring Jessica Majunkins, who was uh, and still is one of Beyonce's uh, violinists. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the prelude to that Opus, Scott, we had to address a listener who um, kind of drew issue with your being on this podcast, specifically being on this podcast, talking about some of the, the racial equity conversations and all that sort of stuff that we explore. Mm-hmm. Looking back on that, how do you feel? Because I, I know that hits you a, a certain kind of way. It did. Yeah. It was, it was I mean, a, apart from anybody, just, I think everybody wants to be liked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to ingratiate myself at all. I'm not, I'm not, you, I'm not trying to get any credit, right? But I am here to help, right? You know, so it's I, I that's that was my first episode. My my first instinct on it was, hey, I'm trying to help here. Yeah, I'm not taking the spotlight. In fact, I'm kind of in the you know in the back seat here, so, which is what I think is appropriate. So so after your hashtag not all white people moments. Mm-hmm. You know, where did you where where did you land on on that thought process? Well, between that and the conversation with Nibal and um, uh, Devon Gray, you know, our conversation, um, I, it, it's just helped me to be more thoughtful. Sure, uh, out in the world and also in my broadcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that there are other white people like me that are listening to the podcast and taking note, watching me make mistakes and listening to me fall apart. Okay. The, this is the way to quote the Mandalorian. Okay. All right. Another, another excellent 2019 edition. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to Jessica, man. I mean, a hero of mine. I mean, the, the work she does. And, and to be a freelancer in New York, that's horrifying to me. To freelance in New York City, mm-hmm. like not knowing how you're going to pay rent two months from now, maybe, you know, or not having done that gig or not having gotten that check yet. Mm-mm. Ooh. I don't want that stress, um, no. but but yeah, she has some phenomenal things to say. Uh, be sure to check out Op- that's Opus Fifteen of Triloquy, Moving Through Gateways Part Two. Um, you know, when I was at the Gateways Music Festival and did a little mini Triloquy se- series uh, featuring right. some of the Gateways folks. Um, so yeah, um, but that that was 2019. Um, moving forward in 2020. Um, you know, we have some some big things, you know, on the horizon. You you mentioned the the Triloquy series earlier at a venue called uh, Hook and Ladder. You want yeah. to remind folks a little about what we what we're thinking with that? That is a newer venue under that name. I mean, the building has been around for a while, mm-hmm. but I think it was you know I, it might have been a theater, an actual theater before it was a, a music venue. But typically they do rock and roll. But Molly Mayer got in touch and she said that she wants to do. Uh, a more uh, classical-oriented series, mm-hmm. and we've been talking a lot about okay, so let's let's. This isn't classical in the necessary necessarily the way that you think about it. It can be classic to someone's experience, right. which is what we get to here on the podcast. So right. we'll be putting together um, 
a March through uh, August, I think, is what we have slated like on Thursdays or something. Yeah, yeah. So that that's coming. Um, also, uh, a new recording project. So uh, something that I've taken on is the Triloquy album, in which uh, Scott, we're gonna um, locate some uh, um, some musicians, many of which who have already been on the Triloquy podcast, get some of their music recorded, put it on an album, and get that uh, into the regular rotation um, on C twenty four on classical. 24 which will in turn get those artists and that music in rotation in radio stations across the country right. you know over over two you know about 250 public radio stations so yeah you know uh pushing this needle and 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 uh moving this envelope um in as many ways um as possible um but in the not so you know far away future on the next opus of triloquy uh scott you and i uh talked to a different garrett uh, a guy named Garrett Schumann, uh, a, a composer um, and an isn't, arts advocate. Isn't it just Schumann? Or is it Schumann? Does he have two N's or one N? I think it's two N's. I guess or we'll find it, out next so it, time. So it is Schumann then. <laughs> um, uh, I met him in Detroit. Uh, he was in school at uh, University of Michigan. The, I think that's the one in Ann Arbor. Mm. Um, and, you know, I was playing with the Detroit Symphony and we met up for drinks one time and kind of connected that way. Um, he's a big fan of Triloquy, reached out uh, about a project he's working on, an anthology of um, music uh, and musicians, but also um, writers, researchers um, of color or from other marginalized communities um, for all of this data uh, to be in one place. Um, so that when folks like us are doing research or other classical music institutions working on more equitable and inclusive programming, um, they have that resource. So uh, nice. we're going to talk uh, with him uh, a little bit on the next uh, opus of Triloquy. So, yeah, again, um, Happy New Year uh, to each and every uh, person listening. Happy New Year to you. Thank you for rocking with us. If this is your first time, maybe your uh, New Year's resolution was to listen to a podcast. So, hey, welcome. Yeah, so so welcome. Um, welcome to your dry January. Sure. <laughs> um, a, a lot of excited things happening this year. So, uh, yeah, looking forward Uh in, 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 in my closing, I'll let you have the last word, Scott, but in my closing, I think that we um, learned a lot about each other in 2019. Um, definitely some um, some speed bumps. Definitely some, damn it, Scott, why didn't you put the this thing in the bag for, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, all in all, um, it's been it's been great. So. Uh, you know, you often describe yourself as the um, Alfred to my Batman. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, yeah. it's great. So, um, Scott, thanks thanks so much. Looking forward to uh, many, 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 many more opuses of Triloquy. This has been, uh, I think I, I described it first to you as drinking through a fire hose because I went from uh, being Scott Sleepy overnight to moving to a, a, a more palatable shift for me anyway. But just to do this work at the pace that we're doing it and at the, the revelations that I'm having every week, it's a lot to take in, yep. you know? And so I feel like there's been times where I've been overly emotional and maybe you just haven't realized it or anything. So I think that we've hit that point where we can do that in front of one another. And now it's starting to happen in front of the microphone. So basically what I'm saying is, is that I just appreciate the work that you do and, and the dedication that you bring and all the new perspectives that you're helping me to find. I just hope that I'm doing the same for yeah. you. I hope that, 
I'm having a, a, a similar effect. All right. Well, remember, if uh, you want to check out past opuses of Triloquy, you can check them out uh, wherever you listen to podcasts or at Triloquy.org. Also, lots of really great videos uh, there uh, for you to check out. And um, yeah, 2020. Here we go. Causing causing problems and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and shaking the cage. True and real stories from the fringes of classical music. See you next time.
And while I'm thinking about it, I have to give some shout outs to the crew that have helped us get Triloquy posted each and every week here for the last 32 weeks. Uh, Alex Simpson, Evan Clark, Johnny Vince Evans, Cameron Wiley, Wiley Cam- let me try that again, Cameron Wiley, Ozzy, Michael Osborne, Eric Romani, and Liz Iverson. We couldn't do, uh, do the, the job that we do and have it sound so nice without all of their help. So I thought getting ready to go out and record people in the field, I would get used to the process and get an idea of how things would work by recording some of the musicians that come through here. You know, it was a no-brainer. <laughs> 